With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to We Are Not Cattle Radio. It is the first broadcast of the year 2013. We made it. We did not get destroyed by Planet X or Planet Nibiru or whatever it is called. So thank you for joining us. With me on the line today, I got my buddy uh, Daryl Young. Daryl, thanks for coming on board, man. Thank you for having me, brother. Well, you know, it is something to behold, and it's really funny that we got Mind Control as the intro music, because guess what? Our government came out with another form of mind control and said, guess what, guys? We got a deal on the fiscal cliff. Everybody gets more taxes. Yeah, what yeah. a what a great, great idea. How long did it take for you guys to concoct that? About five seconds? Oh, and then there are reports about the um, the bill coming out three minutes before they had a vote on it. Just such beautiful gamesmanship by all of these cronies up there that are out there robbing the people – and they think it's just all fun and games because they're going to go out and have cocktails afterwards and talk about how hard they work. So that being said, got a lot of stuff lined up for you today. Got some audio files lined up for you guys. Got some articles that I wanted to cover. And uh, remember, you can always check the website after the broadcast, and we'll um, go ahead and link to all the documents that we have on there. We have um, the hyperlinks to the documents. I'll put the videos, embed the videos in the link. So check out the website, wearenotcattle.net. You can also check out the YouTube channel, We Are Not Cattle TV. And uh, thanks for joining us again today. So, Daryl, let's um, just give us a little bit of a background on who you are, where you came from, and then I want you to get into your story about um, you going and trying to, um, you being the the shameful, shameful, you know, political person that you are, going and trying to actually attend a Republican breakfast. How dare you, you you terrorist? Yeah, I know. I'm I'm, I'm the one blowing up bills and touching children. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, um, my name is Daryl Young, originally from New York City, born and raised. Uh, I first woke up in 2006 when I was at college at the university, I apologize, Florida Atlantic University. I believe it was the second or third Republican debate in the 2008 election. Uh, you know, didn't really care much about politics at all, really. But, you know, I was with a friend. He said, hey, come watch the debate. I'm like... Of all people, Republicans, I'm like, I have nothing else to do with my time. So, you know, uh, listen to one person after another, Giuliani, Huckabee, Mitt Romney, McCain. And then I heard Ron Paul speak. And then he said something. I wasn't really paying attention. I had to turn around and say, did you just say that? Yeah. Did, and oh, my God. Did that guy just make sense? About Holy black, crap. About black people? No. Is he white? He's, oh, my God. He's white. He just said some real stuff. You know, I'm like, oh, that that that, that was real. He like, you know, talking about the drug war in America, just, just oh, what what's really going on? How the system is is was built to hold back black people. That it's just a known fact. It, it's just history. But you know, after hearing Ron Paul speak about that, you know, I decided to you know do a little bit more research on him. And then once I found out about his principles and his ideologies and what he stood for, I'm like, this guy's awesome. If everybody in politics was like this guy, like. The government wouldn't be so evil and corrupt. You know, from 2006, when I first learned about him, you know, built a little interest, wanted to learn more and more about him. And then, you know, after seeing how he got done dirty in the 2008 election, I'm like, the, I, I, the fight doesn't stop there. Like, he totally got robbed. There was a media blackout. No matter how big the crowds were, still a media blackout. The question was, in 2008, who was Ron Paul? Nobody knew nothing about him. Mm-hmm. You know, after the election, 
you know, he kept the campaign going. He came out with the campaign for liberty. You know, they started traveling throughout the United States. And, you know, I was following them, went to St. Louis, then to Atlanta, and then to a few other conventions with Tom Woods and Doug Weed. Just, you know, one thing that I love about Ron Paul, he doesn't tell you to go out there and vote. He goes and educate people on the key issues of America and how you go about fixing them. That's why I love Ron Paul. And it's not really all about Ron Paul. It's about his ideology of civil liberties, lower taxes, and sound money. Which is exactly what the Republican Party used to stand for back in the Reagan days, and then they got into this this ridiculous – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I mean they got into this ridiculous thing of, oh, we're just going to be big government Republicans like George W. Bush and George H. W. Bush. It's like, wait, you guys keep expanding the balance sheet. What the hell are you doing? When are you going to cut spending? Oh, we don't need to worry about cutting spending. Look at the profits that we all have. Exactly. You know – couple words that I hate that people misuse, abuse, and throw around without really knowing the meaning. The first word is, of course, of course, conservative. You're not a conservative if you're not for limited government, which means local government, not this big police state that we have going on now, and lower taxes. And what's so funny is that um, I actually – I didn't even get to share this, but I, I, I um, went to my parents' Christmas party. And it was fun because everybody knows that I'm politically active, and so it, it's funny to talk to to talk to those people that are engaging me to really, you know, test my knowledge. Number one, and then also see where I stand on certain issues. And then you'll have you'll have people, Daryl. You'll have people that I had one person tell me that, um, and this is this is no joke. I had one person tell me that you know we do need to be. You know, we do need to kind of get behind Barack Obama because we do have to worry about Al Qaeda. And I cannot make that stuff up. I'm dead serious. When I believe, our, I, yeah, I our, our government publicly funds these people, and then we got to be afraid of them. And then number two, I had somebody tell me that that um, Newt Gingrich would have stomped Obama. I said, listen, you're not a conservative. And my my brother-in-law, I will give him credit. He made a great analogy. If you tell me that you're a fiscal conservative and Newt Gingrich, one of his points was we need to put a base on the moon, on you the lose. Moon. Wow, you, yeah. You <laughs> lose. <laughs> he, he doesn't want to keep NASA going. He want to put a base on the moon. That was like the funniest highlight of that debate. Well, but see, then you would have to actually be informed and understand and not just listen to rhetoric and talking points. And, and like you and I were talking about before the show, the forum that I wanted to lay out is – I mean, think about it in the grand scheme of what we are not cattle means. It means we the people. We. We're not your food. We're not, you know, we're not just, you know, meat on the table as those, you know, the elitists like to say. We're not meat on the table. We're not steaks on the table. We're the people, and we give you the power to govern us. And when you start doing stupid stuff, then we have the right to either remove you from power or we have the right to take that power away from you and move it back to the states, which is, I think is what the states' right mo- rights movement is all about, and you're starting to see it really kind of unfold. But you know what, Daryl? Let's defer to a guy that actually has a little bit more clout than you and I do. Okay. Let's defer to Mr. Ron Paul on his straight talk, That his last straight talk, I think, that was um, uh, fittingly on um, December 31st, uh, 2012. So here it is, and uh, you and I will break it down on the backside. Cool. Hello, this is Ron Paul with your weekly update for December 31st. As I prepare to retire from Congress, I'd like to suggest a few New Year's resolutions for my colleagues to consider. For the sake of liberty, peace, and prosperity, I certainly hope more members of Congress considers the strict libertarian constitutional approach to government in 2013. In just a few days, Congress will solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. They should read Article 1, Section A, and the Bill of Rights before taking such a serious oath. Most legislation violates key provisions of the Constitution in very basic ways, and if members can't bring themselves to say no in the face of pressure from the special interests, they have broken trust with their constituents and violated their oaths. Congress does not exist to serve the special interests. It exists to protect the rule of law. I also urge my colleagues to end unconstitutional wars overseas. Stop the drone strikes. Stop the covert activities and the meddling in the internal affairs of other nations. Strive to observe good faith and justice toward all nations As George Washington admonished, we are only making more enemies, wasting lives, and bankrupting ourselves with the neoconservative interventionist mindset 
that endorses preemptive war that now dominates both parties. All foreign aid should end, which is blatantly unconstitutional. While it may be a relatively small part of our federal budget for many countries, it is a large part of theirs, and it creates perverse incentives for both our friends and enemies. There is no way members of Congress can know or understand the political, economic, and legal and social realities in the many nations to which they send taxpayers' dollars. Congress needs to stop accumulating more debt. U.S. debt monetized by the Federal Reserve is the true threat to our national security. Revisiting the parameters of Article 1, Section 8 would be a good start. Congress should resolve to respect personal liberty and free markets. Learn more about the free market and how it regulates commerce and produces greater prosperity better than any legislation or regulation. Understand that economic freedom is freedom. Resolve not to get in the way of voluntary contracts between consenting adults. Stop bailing out failed yet politically connected companies and industries. Stop forcing people to engage in commerce when they don't want to and stop prohibiting them from buying and selling when they want to. Stop trying to legislate your ideas of fairness. Protect property rights. Protect the individual. That is enough. There are many more resolutions I would like to see my colleagues in Congress adopt, but respect for the Constitution and the oath of office should be at the core of everything members of Congress do in 2013. Thanks for calling this update. Updates will continue to be placed on this number, 888-322-1414, every morning. The written text of which can be found on the Campaign for Liberty website. Thanks for calling. Yeah, so there you go. You know, more reality from Dr. Ron Paul. Yeah. And just, Daryl, just like what I was telling you before about Heidek, remember what, um, it, like, piggybacks exactly um, just on what Ron Paul was saying in the fact that, you know, if you let these, if you try to intervene with free markets, which what we have now, I think that you and I can both admit, is not a free market system. It's crony capitalism. It's, you know, just like what he said, there's, special interest in, in each one of these senators and, and House Republicans or House Democrats' ears bending their ear on legislation. I mean, just look at the fiscal cliff deal. I mean, that is an absolute joke if you're following anything about you know law order. And then you look back at what these people say about how Barack Obama was going to have all this legislation that was going to come out and he was going to give the public three days to read it. I mean, when are we going to get tired of just listening to these people just sit there and lie to our face and then just say, well, that's their job. They're politicians. When are we going to get fed up with that and just say, you know what? You guys are voted out. We're, we're done with all of you. Time is now. But yeah, let me just reiterate on that. Like that was like the simplest of things that Obama could have kept his promise on. You know, he did promise originally that he would keep the bills online so people can read it. Mm -hmm. He promised that we were going to go solar, build windmills. He's now talking about clean coal technology. Now, the common sense aspect of clean coal technology is nothing clean about it. Once you burn coal, that pollutes the ozone layer, but that's another story. He was talking about free health care, free college tuition. For starters, there's nothing free in this country, but if you want to give people free health care Free college tuition. I say we need to do that. Give people something with all this money that we're spending. Give them, give them the health care. Give them, give them a voucher. Give them the college tuition and not take control of it. You know they want to give things to people and then reap the benefits of saying, "Hey, we did this for them. Hey, I should. I'm, I'm the good guy. Although it's, I'm killing people, I'm the good guy because I'm giving them free stuff. It, no. Yeah, and it's kind of like I would, I would, um, I would draw an analogy to. You know, a, a parent with a bowl of candy and a kid. You know, it's like we'll give you this candy. I'm like, oh, I really want it. Well, we'll give it to you. You know, we'll let you have free health care, but you just got to do this, this, and this. And you go do your chores. And like, well, that's still not enough. We need you to do this, this, and this. And health care is a really bad example, but in, in the overall grand scheme of things, it's exactly right. These people are about control, and they're not about political control, so to speak. They're about societal control, and that's why you see the big buildup with. We know with the arms race, and here's what I came to, and this is on my own little deductive, you know, reasoning kind of per se. You know, Alex Jones and all those guys subscribe to the, you know, to the theory that they're they're arming to kill the American people. I don't really subscribe to that theory too much, although I could see that angle. What I see 
is that if you really, really wanted to curb gun control and you really, really wanted to take the guns out of the hands of the American people or you wanted to make them not worth anything, then what are you going to do? Well, I'll just buy up all the ammo that we have. And that's what I see these big purchases for. And for those of you that don't know, the Department of Homeland Security bought 1.4 billion rounds of ammunition last year, which is three times more than our military bought. So do the math. It's enough to kill every American four times over, but I don't think that's what it's for. I think it was statistically put there, knowing that they were going to put this gun legislation in, knowing that they were going to try to go after and restrict guns, to say, okay, well, we'll just take all the ammo off the shelf, and that will at least get the ball moving. And by the time the legislation hits, you know, we've been buying bullets for almost a year now. We could, have ta- we could take you know, probably 80% of the bullets – you know the standard bullets like your nine millimeters, your forty calibers, you know your three oh eights, those kinds of things. We could take all those off the market, and then these people got nothing to buy. So, what is what is your take on what Ron Paul said about the interventionist, you know, foreign policy? I know where you're going to stand on it, but I just want to hear from from your mouth. And what do you what do you make of all of these this this war in Syria that's been going on for forever, and about us, you know, funding the radical jihadis? And then we're going to get into what is what is the gun legislation going to do to the American people because I hear a lot of talk, especially from people that own firearms that say, well, you know, out of my cold dead hands, that kind of thing. But then at the end of the day, I look around and I say, you know what? You guys aren't – you guys aren't savvy enough that you can figure out that you can stop this politically. So you would rather let the fight come to you and then you're going to defend yourself against a, a SWAT team of goons? I think that that's just the absolute wrong way to go about this. I think that you get out in front of it like you and I are doing, Daryl. You challenge people politically to think, not think about what they hear and repeat talking points from CNN, Fox, or MSNBC, or whomever you choose, but to formulate your own opinion with the information that you have and then start saying, you know, does any of this stuff make sense, what they're telling me? So. Your take briefly on Syria, and then I want to get your take on the firearms, and do you really think that, that the Second Amendment is, should be restricted to hunting because they said that nowhere in the Constitution? Okay. Well, for starters, let me uh, start off with Obama because he originally stated he was going to bring our troops home from Iraq and Afghanistan. Troops are still in Iran, Iraq, I apologize. We are set to come out of Afghanistan in 2014, where Ron Paul has been telling Congress in 2003, why are we in Afghanistan? He's in Pakistan, but if this man is so-called dead, why are we still wasting money when we can't protect our borders? we got to protect that opium, man. That opium's out there. Yep, you're, you're absolutely right. When it comes to Syria, you know, they, they pick and choose what battles they want to fight. You know, we wanted to go into Syria, but, you know, Russia and China said, hey, if you go in there, we're going to – we're gonna there's going to be an issue between us, and they yeah, don't want and, that friction. And that, so was, that they, was public. That was public back at the end of – I want to say it was at the end of 2010, maybe the first part of 2011 where they started that big buildup. And, and Russia and China said, hey, you better watch it because China, Russia knows exactly what's going on. That's their only – that's their port right there. They know what's going on. Yeah, you know, it's, it's definitely all a part of the New World Order. I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but it's always conspiracy when you go against the status quo. But if you look at the lineup of the G20, if, if for those that don't know what the G20 is, those are the, that's the 20 top central banks, the 20 top world economies. They come together and have their, their annual meeting. And, and wait, 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 wait. Let's yes, let's do it proper justice. You're right. <laughs> they come together and they shut down the entire damn city and put police officers in black uniforms out on. I've got a video. And it's on my website, and you guys should watch mm. it. And it's called Into the Fire. It's a documentary about the G20 summit, where they go out and they got peaceful protesters and these cops just bum rush the peaceful protesters. Yeah. They, they, they start locking them up. Last year. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, like last year, the year before, they were rioting in London. I don't blame them. Like these are the elite that run the world. If you think the Build Bear groups are are are, are top elites, those are just the underdogs. Yeah. G20 are the top dudes in charge. Like <laughs> well, it's, it's like a cadre. You have like you have you have like the the privatized side, which is like the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission, those guys. That's like Skull the privatized, yeah, yeah, Skull and Bones. That's like their little privatized sector. And then you have like the G20, and then you have their political muscle. But 
what what people have to realize, guys, you have to realize this. What Daryl and I are talking about is not conspiracy theory. There is enough information for you out there on the web to research all the stuff that we're talking about. And once you start looking and watch that documentary, I plead with you to watch that. I plead with you to watch the documentary about you and me, and your entire ideology of the UN will change. But yeah. you have to do stuff. You can't just sit there and listen to us talk and say, well, that sounds good. No, go out there and do it for yourself, and then you'll develop your own radio show, and you'll develop your own website because you're going to be like, there is no way that people should not know this. I mean you yeah, have to know this in order public to – public information, yes. Right. The G20 lineup is already lined up. This year was Mexico. Next year is Russia. After that is Australia. Then Turkey. It's the New World Order is real, people. What do you think the UN is? What do you think NATO is? These world organizations that want to police the world and have a one currency. They want world... they they want they want one world commercialism, and that's not, and I tell people this. I'm like, look, the New World Order is not some guys sitting in a dark room smoking cigars, planning out the world. <laughs> that is not what it is. No, it is it is a privatized, corporatized world government that you have no say. They dictate everything in your life, Agenda 21, all of that stuff. And Martial you know, law is real. The National Defense Authorization Act is real. The 30,000 Drone Act is real. People, come on, wake up. <laughs> well, you know what, and and I think that here here is where the line gets blurred, Daryl. And I know that you and I both get frustrated with this because we're both passionate because we see what's going on. And it's not that we're conspiracy theorists, and it's not that we think that we're right. We're just telling you to pay attention and then just say, okay, okay, does this sound like a free society to you? We're going to put 30,000 drones up in the sky to monitor everything you do. Number, and then number two, if you look at Agenda 21, we're going to monitor everything you eat, all the electricity you use. Does that yep. sound like a free society? None of this stuff sounds like a free society, but people accept it because they think of it as this new liberated way of thinking that, oh, okay, well, if we protect the earth. No, no, no. You don't, you don't understand. These corporations that are setting up this world government destroy the earth. That yeah. is what they do. Deforestation, yeah. the pollution, you name it. They go out and they wreak havoc on the earth, the top mega corporations. Meanwhile, the underbelly of the corporations like the mid-market guys and even the small mom and pops that would actually prosper if they had the, you know, the government handouts and stuff like that that the other guys get. They don't even get a fair shake, and so what happens is you're getting all this weeding out. Why do you guys think all these companies are buying other large you know, monoliths? It, it is an absolute consolidation of power and control with these central organized powers. Sorry, I had to go off on the New World Order because every time you say that, people yeah. freak out, and they think that you know, they think that you, you got a tinfoil hat or something like that, and yeah. it is not that. It is just global corporatism where you don't get a say. That is all it is. Now, as a black man, one thing I hate is when people speak of Illuminati, they speak of like Jay-Z, Rihanna, Kanye West. No. Listen, no. listen, listen. <laughs> thing that I know, and it's funny. It is funny that um, one of the guys that you used to host the show with me, he's going off and doing his documentary stuff now, and I'm going to get him back on here pretty uh, in a little bit. And actually, I should probably have both of you on because you could both speak to this. He and I talked about that also, and we're like, look, he might be a mason or something like that, but unfortunately, you don't meet the skin requirements to be in the Illuminati, the way that these guys operate. You don't have the bloodline. You don't. Sorry. You're out. So, you know, let's table that because that's just way down the rabbit hole, and I don't feel like going there. Yeah. But but at the end of the day, so in in Syria, get back to Syria and and, and our government publicly funding – the Syrian rebels that are, you know, showing videos of people, you know, chopping off Christians' heads and stuff like that. Why are we funding these people? Well, you know, although that unfortunately is things that they do, you know, the media broadcasted as them being the real terrorists, so we can print up a whole bunch of money and start a war that the money never really goes to any of those designated locations. Because look, look at this peaceful protest that they had the other day in Benghazi. You know, there was a peaceful Muslim trailer. There was a Muslim trailer with a peaceful protest that went bad. All of a sudden, there was no no Muslim trailer. Now this guy from the CIA resigns because of a sex scandal. How many sex scandals has it, has there been before in the past in politics? Mm. So many. I haven't seen any of those other people resign. And then when it's time for Hillary to go to court, 
she has a headache. Oh, she can't go to court and testify because she has a headache. What a coincidence. It's just all set up, man. And here's what here's what's even and you know, and, and everybody's gonna call us conspiracy theorists and stuff like that, but that's fine. But just remember, guys, just remember back uh, and you're gonna have to help me with this, Daryl, because I can't remember. I think it was back in the late nineties, early two thousands where that big child, you know, that child kidnapping ring came out and the gay sex came out with that one yeah. senator and he said, I'm gonna go public and you know, everybody does it. What are you talking about? I'm gonna go public, I'm gonna give name names two days later he's like nah i decided not to (laughs) (laughs) so you know here here is what happens and and this is what aggravates the heck out of me daryl is that you have a population like ours and and i and i love you guys to death america you know yeehaw all that stuff but at the end of the day we have to understand what's going on in our country because remember i broke it down in very simple english and we need to always think of it like this the United States is just a landmass. The United States, the United States is just an idea, folks. America is just an idea. And right now, we are slaughtering the idea. That is all we are doing because nobody understands what's really going on. And then when you say, well, hey, we're about to go to war with Syria. Well, that's what they do when the economy gets bad. And then you just ask one person the very next follow-up question to that. Well, who do you think benefits from us going to war? And they don't even think that far. It's like, why do you think they keep taking us to war when the economy gets bad? Wars never war is the health of the state. It never makes the economy better. It's such it's such a Ponzi scheme, but we've played the game so many times that the American public is conditioned to the fact that, well, that's what we need to do. Just go bomb some people and that'll you know, that'll get us some money. <laughs> I just, I mean, I mean, do you hear? Do you hear people talking like that? I know that you're, yeah, you yeah. probably, you probably associate with the similar types of people that I do. It's like, you know, if I can't have a second or third level conversation with you, especially on on a political level, I just got to switch off. Like we got to talk about sports or football or something that you can play in your arena in. But, you know, at the end of the day, we need to educate people, and that's that's why I was so excited to have you on, is because I know that you're passionate about it. I'm passionate about it. You know, we have a couple of members or we are changed that are passionate about it, but we have to get more of you guys out there. Everybody has to get more passionate about this stuff. Start yeah. sharing all these, you know, these little podcasts that I do. Start sharing these with your friends. I mean, I've seen a 20% increase since I started. Every almost every show. So we're almost up to 2,000 downloads a week now. I mean, this is getting awesome, guys. You need to keep spreading the word about this stuff because we're just everyday people like you and 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 your friends. And all we're doing is having conversations with each other that you're probably having. And you need to expand out and start sharing this information with more and more people. Because when you run into people at parties and they say, well, we gotta, you know, we got to be careful because of al-Qaeda, I almost wanted to literally scream at this person. I was like, you have got to be kidding me. So you just looked at me and told me that we have to be worried about a, about a, a Muslim jihadi group that our government publicly funds to go into Syria to store up trouble so we can go in there and overthrow a dictator. And I like how we call it I like how we call it regime change right now. We don't call it a coup d'etat or we don't call it a violent overthrow of the government. It's a regime change. It's just like, oh, well, we just pull him out and put another person in. Never mind the dead bodies. Never mind the, the tens of thousands of, of blacks that got chopped up in Libya after we liberated that country. Never mind I, all I, that. I, yeah, I, I wanted to say that, just throw that in there because we, we funded al-Qaeda to go in Libya too. And guess what? And, and here's, here's the coup d'etat, man. Here are Here's the coup de gras, excuse me. What is the one thing that Libya set up very first as soon as al-Qaeda got in there that they didn't have before? I don't know if you know this or not. The first week that they were there, the first week that the invasion or the liberation took place, you can look this up, everybody. The first thing that they did was we need to establish a central bank because they are not owned by the Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, and all those guys. They're not. Neither is Syria. And Saudi Arabia doesn't have a central bank either, I don't believe. But I'll have to double check that. So don't you guys don't crush me on my blog if if that's incorrect. But I'm pretty sure there's only like six countries left in the world that don't have a central banking that aren't part of the world economic central banking, you know, shyster game. Yeah. So all right, now let's go to this other let's go to this other clip and let's transition into well, a pretty good time. We got about um we gotta go up. Let's see. We got about 30 minutes left. Let's go to this other Ron Paul straight talk. This is one that I didn't get to, guys, because it was a week before and I shut the show down because I had the flu. But this one's a little bit longer. Actually, I might bypass that one. It's a little long. So let's go to let's go to the clip on 
what the fiscal cliff – we'll transition to the fiscal cliff, and then we'll talk about gun control at the end. But here is Ben Swan breaking down what the fiscal cliff really did and how I told – you know how I basically told everybody at the beginning, yay, increase taxes for everyone, yeah, except for like you, 23% of the now, population. Before, before you play that video, I must say, yeah. before they, they even came out with the decision, when I first heard fiscal cliff, I'm like – Ben Bernanke is going to have another stimulus package. Oh, of course. And then another extension of the Bush tax cut. And and now, you and I both know that it was a fraud anyway, that, that we went over the fiscal cliff about midway through the year if you guys didn't change and curtail spending. It's yeah, just the we, way that it was going to work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we had so many stimulus packages that didn't work the first time, and now is is, is a crisis that we got to go ahead and pass something. But for those that don't know what the Bush tax cut is, to really summarize that in the simplest form means – the rich don't have to pay new, any new taxes. Mm-hmm. Who has to pay for that new stimulus package? The middle class and the poor. Mm-hmm. Paying for services we're never going to see or receive. So come on, people. But I told people January 1st, 2012, they passed the National Defense Authorization Act. What are they going to pass this year? Hmm. This new stimulus package. Two o'clock in the morning, as mm-hmm. people partying and drinking, not caring any about politics. Go ahead, brother. Whenever you're ready. Yeah, I mean, that, well, that's the way they operate. I mean, and and we have got to just come to grips with ourselves as as Americans, as patriots, as as humans. Think about this stuff, man. If I mean, if you were in a serious relationship with a girl and she kept doing this stuff to you, you would dump her. I mean, what are we doing? It, I mean, at the at the end of the year, oh, we're just going to sign this bill, and it's going to yeah, it's for you know military spending, and yeah, it's you know for everything next year, and it says we can secretly arrest you and. Without a trial and hold you indefinitely, it's fine. What? You said you could do what? What really hurt me is there was no funding for the Sandy victims in the stimulus package, but there was like 45, what is it, million dollars for the NASCAR? Like, yeah. why are we funding NASCAR? Isn't it the same thing that Bush gave money to? Yeah, and, like, and it's and it's just like when they come in with these big – oh, dude, it's just like when they come in to build these big stadiums, you know, and these big – you know, Alex Jones talks about it on his show. With the uh, with the what is it like the I Rock or the um, whatever that big the indie the indie series or whatever the yeah, Grand Prix yeah. or whatever and they came yeah. and built a built the a like racetrack yeah like a two billion dollar racetrack and they yeah, I remember like all, that. All, all taxpayer funded and all it's the same thing listen listen guys we are run right now as American citizens we are run by a global mafia and the mafia dictates to our you know, to our you know elected representatives, what we're going to do, and the mafia is the corporations. And yeah, I did work for the corporations for a long time, and and granted, they're good, and we should probably go. You know, there should probably be some little bit of tailoring to these people, but oh my God, GE pays three percent in freaking taxes, and we got to pay thirty three percent. Come on, get real, people. And and then we're like, oh, we're struggling financially. We can't figure out why. You can't figure out why because all of our money's offshore in these. Mega corporations that pay three or zero percent in or taxes. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. And then you come out with this fiscal cliff. And Daryl, they're doing the same thing that they did in Spain and Greece with us. They're doing the exact same thing. It's this stupid game plan that they play. And I read, I, I covered Spain pretty much extensively for like three shows because I have a couple of friends that live over there from college. And they told me they're like, dude, it's bad and it's getting worse. And I'm just lucky to have a job and all this other stuff. And then you talk to them, and, and you read these articles about how the people are out in the street protesting, and they'll interview some of the guys that are out there protesting. They're like, why are you out here? And they said, well, they said the last two times that this was going to be the last time that they were going to increase spending. Now you got to eat people eating out of dumpsters and stuff like that. I mean, come on. These are people that had houses, homes, and now they're like dropping their kids off in the street because they can't afford them. And, then, and it's the same kind of crap that they're going to play with the American people. But here's the bad part, guys. Here's the bad part, and here's where they're stuck between a rock and a hard place. The thing that the American people have that those other countries don't have, they got guns. And, a, and, a, and at the drop of a hat, if the American public decides that, hey, you know what? We're done. We're done with all of you. We can, we'll just march on Washington with our guns and just kick them all out. And I think that that's what some of these people think is going to happen, but I just really don't see it happening like that. Daryl, you got any other closing comments before we let Ben Swan talk about the fiscal cliff, and then we can kind of pick that up on the backside? Um, no, that's it, brother. All right, let's go to this Ben Swan clip. It's a little bit lengthy, but we'll pick it up on the backside, and, um, and we'll cover a couple of these news articles that I got pulled up. You know, one of these um, one of these 
great law professors talking about how the Constitution is evil and we got to get rid of it. These guys are these guys are just such traitors. Go away. Just move to move to like Venezuela or something. Just get out of here. <laughs> the fiscal cliff bill is headed to the president's desk after the Senate and the House pushed through a compromise yesterday. Well, that means the American economy has been saved from disaster. At least that's what lawmakers in Washington might tell you. So what's the truth behind this fiscal cliff bill? Ben has the details in a reality check you won't see anywhere else. The core of the argument over the fiscal cliff was that the richest Americans would have to pay more. Middle class families would need to be spared. That was the narrative the national media helped to sell you. So now that the fiscal cliff bill has been passed, what does it actually mean? Well, here are a few highlights from what's in the bill. Income tax rates for anyone making 400000 for individuals, 450 for families, will be taxed at a rate of 39.6%. That's up from the current 35%. Estate tax. Estates would be taxed at a top rate of 40%. Extends for five years expansions of the child tax credit, the earned income tax credit, and up to $2,500 tax credit for college tuition. Employment benefits. It extends jobless benefits for the long-term unemployed for one year. So for all that fighting, how much in tax revenue will now be raised? Only $620 billion over the next 10 years. Oh, and remember, the $1 trillion in cuts that was supposed to start this year from last year's debt ceiling fight? $500 million from domestic programs and $500 million from military spending. It was called sequestration. Well, this bill actually delays those cuts for at least two months. Meanwhile, it does not protect against the expiration of a payroll tax reduction, which means 80% of Americans who make over $40,000 a year will see their taxes go up. The Tax Policy Center says households between 40 and 50,000 will face an average tax increase of $579 in 2013. Households making between 50,000 and 75,000, they will face an average tax increase of $822. But it wouldn't be Washington without special interest tax breaks, and those are in this bill as well, including $430 million for Hollywood through special expensing rules to encourage TV and film production in the United States, $331 million for railroads and tax breaks, $222 million for Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands on taxes collected on rum, $70 million for NASCAR by extending a seven-year cost recovery period for certain motorsports racing track facilities, $59 million for algae growers through tax credits, and $4 million for electric motorcycle makers by expanding an existing green energy tax credit. Look, what this means for you is that Congress cut virtually nothing from its own budget, but had no problem cutting into the budgets of Americans making $40,000 a year and up. Remember I told you that after all this fighting, Congress passed this bill that collects $620 billion in new revenue over the next 10 years? To give you an idea of how ineffective all of this was, take a look. Only $620 billion over the next 10 years means that we're raising, on average, $62 billion in new tax revenue per year. The U.S. spends... $3.4 trillion each year with $1.3 trillion in borrowed money. So, at our current spending rate, our government will eat up that $62 billion in new revenue from this fiscal cliff bill in just two months. So at the end of the day, this whole fiscal cliff drama was nothing more than political theater with the same end result. Government raising taxes on those they promised not to raise taxes on and spending more money than ever. Because the fiscal cliff bill actually increases spending, according to the Congressional Budget Office, by $4 trillion over the next decade. And that is Reality Check. You can find the sources for... Oh, doesn't that sound like fun? Dude, they saved us. Look at how well they saved us. I mean, that is awesome. Great job, guys. Holy cow. Take the rest of the year off. How about it? Uh, speaking of taking the rest of the year off, they, weren't they supposed to work through the Thanksgiving holiday? They said, hey, we're going to work through the Thanksgiving holiday. I'm like, you need to work every day of the year. You don't deserve mm. any rest off. But the president gets all type of luxury uh, uh, vacations. Dogs get super nice, fancy jets where we got homeless children on the streets dying because they have no health care, no food, no shelter. Like, 
How are you going to continue spending without no budget cap? When oh, average, man. When an average person goes broke, what do they do? They, they go back. Yeah. And they, because they don't have a money tree. We don't have a Federal Reserve in our backyard. So, you know, and they, they, they spend all this money on wasteless junk because they just want to say, hey, the money's going there. But before the money gets there, it's always going to get lost down a loophole and end up in somebody's pocket. It's what they do, people. It's what they do. I <laughs> love it. All right. So, you know, we we pretty much beat the fiscal dead horse dead again. But here's what's going to happen, guys. Hyperinflation by every – like almost every economist is saying that hyperinflation is imminent. Hyperinflation is absolutely no fun. And the only way that you're going to be able to protect your money is to get it into tangible assets or commodities or something like that that's got intrinsic value that's not this Federal Reserve note paper that we're all running around with. And what it's also going to do is it's going to destroy consumer confidence, which will make the which will make the the financial situation that much more, you know, dire. Because as soon as you start losing consumer confidence, you know this, Daryl, if you've studied the the fractional reserve banking system, the system works great as long as you have people that still believe in it. As soon as the people stop believing in the fractional reserve system, then it then it crumbles like the house of you know invisible cards, if you will, the invisible money that they print comes crashing down. So. Let's get into a couple of these articles, and I want to get your take on this because I just mentioned like two paragraphs before the show, and you were you were on a pretty good roll. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn over this one to you because I've already read it. But um, the constitutional law professor said the Constitution should be abandoned because it's archaic and evil. Now here is what this professor says. I guess it's Lewis Michael. It was just an op-ed piece by Lewis Michael Sindeman. He's a professor at Georgetown University. And he said, the biggest problem, it seems, and I'm going to read this one passage, and I'm going to let you go, and then I'll read the next passage, and I'll let you go with that, too, because they're both so much fun. Okay, so it says, the biggest problem, it seems, that the document was written by a group of white, oh, my gosh, prominent men who have who have been dead for two centuries and knew nothing of our past situ or present situation and acted illegally under existing law that that they and they found it fine to own slaves. So your retort to that, and by the way, they were escaping a tyrannical government that would actually leave a soldier in your damn house that could do whatever it wanted to do with your wife. So you know that you know don't need to go into all of that. I mean, they they were traitors, basically, is what he's saying. So go ahead and give me your take on that, Daryl. You know, they they try to use slavery or taking it back to the good old days to try to scare people as a tactic. You know what they're really trying to get people from away from thinking is we need to, I guess, go into alternative currencies. We need to get away from this this paper banknote, which is making them rich but making us us poor. Because you know, once we go bankrupt as a nation and our banknotes has no value, they'll be able to go in other locations and spend foreign currency. We're gonna be so dependent on the government because they're gonna have our guns. They're going to have our food supply control. They're going to have our medicine supply control. They're going to have our clean water supply control. Like, we're going to have nothing. We, we're so we don't even have to grow our own food. I was saying, right now, there's a, there's a, a, a what is it? A strike, with the, a strike with the dockers. They're saying we're losing a billion dollars a day, the economy, that is. The big mm -hmm. corporations losing a, a, a billion dollars because the strikers is, is, is going on strike on the docks. But starters, why are we dependent on other countries for our our food. Should we be growing food here? That is where we're going wrong as a nation. We're so dependent on government to take care of everything. Well, if there was a shut sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. You you were exactly right, but that's you know, it's part and partial to the big corporations as well. If you look at what happened in Soviet Russia right before you know right before the uh, the balkanization of Russia it was the same kind of thing. They were, you know, they started they started doing away with all the small family farms, and they started going to these big combines, and that's what we have here in America. So what happens if one of those big combines fail? Or we have the exact same thing that we had this summer, just on a bigger scale, where we had that big drought, you know, and, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah, we import some of our food, and that's fine. But, you know, we need to be sustainable. And I'm not taking an isolationist point of view here. 
But you need to do the math and just say, okay, well, what part of this could we actually sustain life? Switzerland does all this stuff, and it's not like we're talking about something that's completely Greek. Listen, people, Switzerland, as soon as you are a citizen, you get a firearm. You get a fully automatic firearm, and you get a pistol if you want. It doesn't matter. And then what they also do for their you know, for their citizenry – Daryl, did you know about this? I'm sure you did. But did you know that they have three years' worth of food stockpiled in a mountainside that if in case of nuclear fallout or anything like that, that their entire population can go into the nuclear into the nuclear fallout into the mountain and live for three years underground? Do you think wow. that our government would ever do something like that? No, because it's no, not in the special interest. It's not in their interest to do something like that. But they do have that, but it's for them. It's for the elites. It's oh, for of the course. wealthy and the politicians and the people that control the media, whether it's print, audio, video. It's all controlled by by, by the elitists. Yeah, and – and it gets so frustrating trying to talk to anybody about that because – and here's a, here's a good example for you. I was listening to a lecture, and I'll put, this on my, um, I'll put this on my website. It was Aldous Huxley's lecture that he gave to Berkeley, and I know that you guys have heard Alex Jones talk about this before, Aldous and Julian Huxley. But he talks about it. He talks about the um, – he talks about his um, – in his speech, he talks about how – the the ruling elitist or he calls them the the ruling oligarchy you know is going to use this to do this x y and z and he goes and i assume that they're always going to exist because they always have existed and i don't know what point we got away from this but evidently sometime in the last 25 35 maybe even 50 years we have forgotten that the robber barons and the oligarchies are still there. It's just they're so well concealed now with the mass media and the distractions that we have with all the sports and everything else. I mean, speak to that a little bit because that is the heart of the New World Order, what we're talking about. When you when you explain to people that, hey, there is a small cadre of people that decide what goes on, and whether you think that that's true or not, it's true. I don't care if you believe it is true or not, but just look at the evidence around you and then come at me with some other alternative means as to why this would happen. Why would Barack Obama say that I'm not going to have signing statements has all these signing statements? I mean, look at the transgression of all of our – or look at the look at the way that our presidency has gone. We went from Bill Clinton, who was known as Swick Willie, to George W. Bush, who is a complete imbecile, or so we were meant to thought he was an imbecile. And then we get Barack Obama. And then – so you get a, a known liar – a complete idiot, a complete fool, and then you get a guy that all he does is lie to us, and that's and that's all he does. He's, he he gets up there and grandstands, makes great speeches, and then like you alliterated to earlier, Daryl, he just turns around and says, "I'm not doing any of that stuff." That teleprompter stuff, though, that looked really good. That sounded great. I ain't doing any of that. <laughs> yeah. And don't please don't don't blame Congress because they had the House the first two years. Yep. And um, you know. Recently, he went around Congress to make an, a, a trade agreement, establish a trade agreement with Colombia. He didn't specify what the trade agreement was. He did say that there were jobs that were going to be created. He didn't specify where the jobs were going to be created, of course, more likely in Colombia and whatever transportation is going to be going back and forth from America to Colombia. You know, you can, this is public information. People might check this out. But my issue was if you could go around Congress and do what you want, to establish a trade agreement with Colombia, you can go around Congress to do what you want to help the people. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's the president; he can do what he wants. Look at Operation Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. But you know that's, that's 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 an old issue now. But well, I mean, it's an old issue, but we still need to keep bringing it up because of it's course, just, of course. It's, it's well, so know, it's so ridiculous, and, and and people are like, "Well, he's the president." No, 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 no. Listen, 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 listen. Congress has the power. The president is supposed to be the one million dollar pen. That's all he's supposed to do. And he's supposed to have, you know, if if you get a bunch of crooks into Congress, he's supposed to be the override. Be like, no, we're not doing that. No, we're not making anybody under five feet tall join the circus. We're not doing that. I veto this. You know, just if if it's like some stupid law or it's going to really be a hurtful change, that's where he's supposed to step in with a veto. You're not supposed to come in with signing statements and executive orders. You're not the dictator of this country, man. I mean, and and I think that what's really what's really lost in translation is all the executive orders that he has signed, no matter if they're frivolous or not. We don't need this, guys. We don't need to transition this post 
to make it to make Congress like Parliament is over in Europe, where it's all just vestigial, and the UN makes all the agreements, and yeah, where you under UN control, but you guys can still say stuff. But basically, you can just come and complain. We're not going to listen to what you do. You can come and complain in the House of Commons and the House of Lords. You can come and complain, but we're still going to go with the agenda. And that's what I'm seeing here out of out of not only this president. But out of this Congress, out of these elected representatives, I mean, dude, for real, 98 to nothing? Do you remember that? Do you remember when that passed? 98 to nothing? Like, dude, we don't even get like a peep? And I think I think Rand Paul and um, – was it Rubio or was somebody else? Rand Paul and somebody else withstained from voting or something like that. It was, it was just – I think it was Chris Christie. Oh, that's it. Okay, so two yeah. people. Two people didn't vote. What a joke. So <laughs> – you know what the issue is? We need to stop voting for these grown politicians. That's what that's what was get, what got us into this mess. But they're you know, such we, great salespeople, and the part of it is you got to wake the American people up to the fact that they're getting sold. Yeah. That's the whole that's the whole game, guys. Listen, if you can wake up one morning and just look and say, "Wow, everywhere I look, I'm being bombarded with propaganda, whether it's black propaganda, white propaganda, or what," and that doesn't mean it's not a racial thing. White propaganda is truth. Black propaganda is something to make you believe a lie, and propaganda yeah. is just something to drive home a position. So if you watch, if you watch MSNBC and they say, "Well, you like the Second Amendment, you might be a racist." It's like, wait a minute, how do you even draw that conclusion? But they say these talking points enough, and it's all psychology. They've done all the actuaries and stuff like that. They know this stuff. If they repeat something over and over and over again, eventually it becomes commonplace. It's like what um, the guy that used to uh, run the show with me every once in a while, TJ, used to talk about the um, universal truth. You know, if you keep parroting the same idea around, then everybody starts saying it, then it becomes universal truth. And it's like, well, universal truth doesn't mean that it's necessarily true, because back, you know, before Christopher Columbus, universal truth was that the entire world was flat. Yeah. And. and <laughs> And that you know, and back in the Egyptian days, it was that that Ra took the sun in a chariot across the sky and then came back with the moon the next day. But that was you know that was what everybody believed at the time. Yeah. So here here is the great question for you, Daryl. Here is the hundred million dollar question. We'll we'll wrap up the show after I touch on a couple of articles here. So so what do you what do you say to somebody that's trying to get you know trying to wake people up? Now, what has been your success and what has been your approach and how have you – and here's a great example. What about the – elaborate a little bit on the guy that um, – you know, in the video I shot about the, the – in the Fed rally, the guy that – the woman or man that was in the car that said that you must have voted for Obama because you're black. How do you combat that? And then on top of that, how do you go out and educate people on the Federal Reserve System, Federal Reserve System fractional reserve banking and corruption without them completely switching off because I do want to hear this because I'm trying to get perspectives from everybody so I can find the right targeted approach to reach my audience and then have my audience reach out to other people to get them involved and understand what's going on and where we're being positioned as a nation. And you guys should be getting really upset with this because you're getting positioned for a takeover. I mean this is straight up. You're getting positioned. They're like, well, we're going to just register the guns. Listen. Nazi Germany, Soviet Russia, you look back at all the playbooks, it's like, oh, we're just going to register, you know, England the same way. Oh, we'll just register. Oh, you can only use them at the shooting range. Oh, you can't use them anywhere. Goodbye. We're going to take it. <laughs> so give me give me those uh, two points, if you will. Number one, gotcha. how, do you com- how do you combat people that come at you, you know, with a, with a veil of ignorance, I guess, and just assume that, you know, since you're black that you would vote for Obama? And then on the flip side, how do you how do you approach people and try to get them to wake up to the New World Order, the fractional reserve banking system and all that? Got you. And uh, what I tell to the people that, that you know, assumes that I voted for Obama because I'm black, I tell them, no, I voted Cynthia McKinney, black Democrat who ran on the Green Party from Lithonia, Georgia. You know, I tell them, there's always more of an option. You need to turn off the television because that's what's poisoning your mind. You know, we there's always more candidates. Like in 2008, we had Barb Barr, we had Ralph Nader, Chuck Baldwin. Yep. But due to but due to the media, it was only Obama and McCain because that's what they want to instill into your mind. Mm-hmm. Now, when it comes to you know trying to bring people aware to what's going wait, wait, wait. on, elaborate, elaborate on that because I think people really don't get why the Republican and Democrat, why you and I are so anti-Republican and Democrat. Explain to them about how it's just a different flavor of milkshake, but you're still going to get a milkshake either way. Even if yeah. you want key lime pie for dessert, you're still getting the milkshake. You just take the flavor. 
Gotcha. Yes, sir. All it is is a two-party system, two-party financing. Who control the power? Who control the budget? These elitists do not care nothing about us. They, they care about controlling the money and the power. They want to control the food. They want to feel like they're supreme over everybody. They, feel like, they want to feel like we're, we have to grab them to their feet. We're, we're peasants. Come travel to me, you peasant. You're scum. You're nothing. It's just modern serfdom, except that instead of using blades and arrows, they're using, they're using money, and they're using power it, and control. And they're using labels to divide the people to make us at the bottom attack one another so we're not united to really take on the system how we need to. We gave them the power. We need to take it back. We need average people waking up saying, hey, I want to go out there and hold a sign. I want to run for office. That's all it takes. Spread the message, people. Mm-hmm. Don't be scared to ask for information. If you don't know, ask. Do not assume. Do not go in the ballot pressing buttons. No, that is man. That's cool. <laughs> no. That is dangerous. <laughs> and and what, what, what was shocking to me is just seeing all the different people that were running unopposed in my district and people that listen to the broadcast just I'm sure that you were going through looking at your you know looking at your whatever your elected yeah. representatives and looking at your ballots and saying wow nobody's opposing this guy what the heck Why? I mean, yeah. yeah and that they gerrymander these states you know they drought these districts so they they can keep their their, their district safe so if it's a Republican state they keep the safe Republican district safe and throw away a Democratic district here and there because you know in the state of Georgia there's 180 house seats 110 Republicans are running unopposed 30 Democrats are running unopposed there's only 40 races with contestants so the Republicans automatically have their super majority so they can create legislation as they want they can change the, the state constitution as they choose because they have the numbers why? Because not enough people's waking up and saying, hey, I want to run for school board. I want to run for state house like Robbie Wells. I want to run for president. That's why I stand behind him because he's a grassroots candidate. He has no voting record. He has never ran for anything in his life. He's, he's a former coach of the University of Savannah. He's, you know, he signed up for the National Guards in the middle of Iraq and Afghan war. If you can't support an average Joe like that, I don't know what's wrong with you. I'm tired of you. After seeing what they did to me in Tampa and how they did my brother Carter Kessler in Athens, I'm done with both Republicans and Democrats. I'm All done right. with this whole two-party system. All right. We got four minutes left. Briefly go through what happened to you at the Republican breakfast because when you were telling me – and who was the gentleman that was there with us protesting the yes. Fed that day? And just kind of go into briefly gotcha. what that was all about, and then uh, I'll give my take at the very end because it was amazing. Got you. Speaking of that, you know, I was campaign manager, as I said, for Carter Kessler out in Athens. You know, I was out there with Lamar Banks and his son, uh, Lamar and what? Bank Wise. I'm sorry, his last name. You know, they helped Charles, Charles Gregory get elected. They were campaign manager for Charles Gregory out in Marietta. So, you know, as we're doing our daily work, helping our brother, you know, build his team in Athens and, you know, campaigning for him, my brother Ben received a threatening email from the GOP committee saying, don't come to this monthly breakfast if you're, one, not going to vote Mitt Romney, two, if you're going to vote Gary Johnson, who's a libertarian candidate running for president, the other option on the ballot, people, three, if you're going to come there and bash Mitt Romney, four, if you're not active in any political Republican campaign. So me, I said, hey, you're going to threaten my brother? Hell no. I'm a Republican. I'm campaign manager for Republican nominee Carter Kessler. My brother Lamar, he was campaign manager for uh, elected official Charles Gregory out of Marietta, and my brother Ben, who received the threatening email, has been a, a long-time Republican. So, you know, we're like, they can't deny us access from joining our party, breakfast, support our party. So by the time we got there, you know, there were there were already cops lined up because these people are known people in the, the GOP party in the state of Georgia. This is my Georgia All-Star team. So by the time we got there, make a long story short, they, they started raffling us. They pushed me to the inside, pushed my brother outside. So, you know, as I'm going on the inside, you know, they're, they're attacking me and my brother being Ron Paul supporters. And I said, hey, as much as I hate Obama and what he has done to my people by poisoning them, lying to them, killing people, continuing these unconstitutional wars, there's no way you can hate this man and, and love Mitt Romney, Mr. Paul Ryan. That's our budget committee. He is the reason why our past president has been able to spend with no budget cap. So they, they bash each other on TV, but they work together behind closed doors talking about who how, how much money they're going to spend next and who we're going to kill next. 
So before you go criticizing somebody that you don't know nothing about, you need to learn about them and stop going with your, your establishment because that's, that's where we're going wrong because we're going to vote Republican because that's how we's, we've been raised. Learn that you have more options. We need to get away from this two-party system. But, yeah, make a long story short, my brother was assaulted. We spent the whole day going from – we started off at the courthouse. We went to then City Hall because that's where we had to go to so-called file a police report. City Hall told us we had to go back to the sheriff's department. Sheriff's department says we had to go to the police station. <laughs> we, like, by the time we got there, they called their friends saying, hey, these Ron Paul supporters, this is what they did. Yeah, they, they called each other saying, hey, we're on our way. So by the time we had our day in court, after we seen the judge, the judge told us we have no case because there was no physical bruises. But I'm like, hey, if I was out there pushing granny, they they would have charged my my black behind. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that just shows you. And then and then, um, what was the other gentleman's name that was with us at the rally? I cannot remember his name at the time. Is it Ben? Ben, yes, Ben. That's the guy that received the threat. Yeah. And I cannot believe that they looked at him and said, come on. And and he said that the sheriff looked him right in the face. Come on, Ben, just join us. Come on, man. Why do you got to fight with us like this? Like, dude, how slimy are you? It's like, look, you're not on the winning effing team. Are you serious? You are not the winner. Just because you get on this team and everybody feels good about it doesn't mean that it's right. It is absolutely wrong. You are backing the wrong candidate. And just because you didn't do the research and you just decided that, well, my parents always voted Republican, so I'm going to vote Republican, it just gets ridiculous. Well, Daryl, that's about it for the end of the show. Thanks for sharing your message and everything with us. I'll have you up here soon. I'm sure everybody will get a kick out of it. So once again, hey. Yeah, absolutely, man. Hey, thanks to everybody for tuning in. Get the message out. Share this with everybody you know. And once again, man, let's just start fighting these people on the streets with the information war and with, you know, with reality, and we'll win. Hey, you know, love liberty. Get a friend. Get informed. Get involved. And let's beat these people, everyone. Peace. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.